The Build to Burn podcast is in no way affiliated with any organization that indulges in burning things, nor is the podcast affiliated with any organization that refers to burning in its name. Burnout Podcast presents... This is a podcast about people who have chosen the path of designing, building, and burning large-scale artwork. Well, the people on this podcast are very aware of the dangerous aspects of their work and take every precaution to protect those who interact with it. Unless otherwise noted, they are by no means professionals. Don't believe anything they say, and don't try this at home. That being said, let's meet some people who build the burn. So welcome to the show, everybody. Today, we're talking to our uh, 2020 Burning Man Temple Builders. So it's really an honor to have you guys here. And it's really exciting. I mean, there's certainly no question that this is the largest uh, project uh, we've ever had on the show. Um, the name of the project is Empyrean. And we have uh, Sylvia and Renzo uh, with us today. And um, maybe it would it would be great to start with um, maybe just a, an introduction of who you are and just like a quick overview of the project. And maybe we'll start with uh, Sylvia. Hi, thanks for having us. I'm a 10 year burner. I've worked on large scale art since 2013. I'm a flaming Lotus girl. I'm a temple builder. And I was inspired to build a temple because of the healing purpose and magnitude of of energy it can bring to the community. Awesome. Uh, Renzo, how about, how about you? Um, hi, this is Renzo and, um, I've really only been burning been a couple of times and, um, and I came on to, uh, Playa last year after a 20 year absence to build a uh, temple of direction, um, starting at the beginning of the on Playa build and had a great time and thought while doing that, uh, what a great idea it would be to um, design and build um, a temple from start to finish. And here we are. So, I mean, I think that's a, um, you know, it's obviously an audacious uh, statement, right? Is the, you know, to believe that one can do this, that, you know, that you, you have to start at that point, right? You have to say, oh, I think I can do this thing, which is, you know, really intimidating, you know, really um, profound uh, sort of statement. So um, you, there's the, the two of you is, can we point to, you know, the, the project itself has to have, you know, I always, I always talk about um, projects having heroes that, you know, even if you're cooking, if you're in the kitchen, somebody's making the mashed potatoes, the mashed potatoes have to have a hero. If both people say, oh, I'm working on the mashed potatoes, somebody's got to check on them. So um, the, to me, the project had to have um, a seed, had to have a genesis that um, someone started with. So it, which one of you was the first one to say, I want to build a temple and it's going to look like this and it wants to be called this. And then it kind of went from there. I'm the one that started. Um, and I had, um, I had a lot of ideas and literally on day three in August 15th, last year while building Temple of Direction, I was thinking to myself, um, I want to do this. And you're right. It is audacious. It's absolutely ridiculous. The whole thing is absurd. The whole thing, the, the, the idea of building a giant structure in the desert in 18 days only to have it burn is absolutely ridiculous from start to finish. Um, and yes, it's audacious. So while building, um, the temple last year, I was inspired because of the energy, because of the wonderful energy of the volunteers out there and, and just their absolute drive and insistence that it be done under very adverse conditions. Um, I was inspired to build something. And I'm also an architect. I've been an architect all my life. And, and so in one respect, that building part is not that audacious. It's not that much of a leap for me. I've done many buildings this size and larger, 
and more complex. But there were a bunch of people running around the desert um, who, frankly, for, for reasons I still don't know, saying this, the temple has to be built. It has to be built. It has to be built. It's got to go up. We can't fail. There's too many people that are relying on us. Mm-hmm. And that, and, and frankly, a lot of them had limited uh, construction skills, but they just didn't quit. They just wanted to build it. And I don't really think, honestly, that a lot of them knew fully why it had to be built. It was just a calling. And so we're running around out there on the, in the deep playa when the city's you know, one-third built at most. Um, and I, I just found that really inspiring. Awesome. So then uh, what, what is the, um, can, you, can you give a, like a brief description and kind of a philosophical underpinning of the, the design of uh, Empyrean? Yes. Um, so it actually morphed a lot. There is, um, sometimes there's those moments um, as an artist where you have, you, con- you have a conception of something and it's just bing and you, and there it is. And that was not the case for this project. It actually took three solid months of design and redesign and redesign and redesign um, to really come up with ideas. And along the way, we, there, was a, there were a couple of constant narratives, but along the way, um, we picked up a lot of things. I mean, one of the, the strongest thing I picked up along the way was the Skywall. Um, that is Sylvia. Sylvia. Uh, no, I, I started, um, I didn't know Sylvia when I went out to Burning Man. I didn't know anybody. I know one person by name who I'd met for an hour. So to answer your question, the, the, um, initial conceptual idea was, um, a linear path, the path of inspiration. And that was, um, and it came from the idea of how do you get to Burning Man and the path to get to Burning Man. So, Conceptually, architecturally, the um, the uh, partie, as it is referred to in French, that is the desi- the inspiration, the the defining moment was a linear path, which was a which was metaphorical for extreme or path, with a bunch of um, canopies over top, and what that represented was the uh, the canopies of trees over the over a secluded path, and within that. Um, were about eight different altars within each canopy and the altars were the place were a place that anybody finds um sanctuary and the the image i had initially in my head was simply a rock that you sit on along a stream under a canopy of trees Mm. beautiful from that and i i did a lot of uh architectural work on that and 3d imaging and um, I took that and focus grouped it with, uh, um, with about 50 burners and got a lot of comments back. And along the path, um, Sylvia kept knocking on my shoulder and saying, hi, I'm Skywolf, I'm Magic. And she kept tapping on my shoulder and, um, and she kept like, hi, I'm Skywolf, I'm Magic. And, and I think I believe that now. Um, but so... You you would if you looked at a glance at the earlier architectural 3D models and 2D models and sketches, um, you wouldn't see a lot of similarities to what there is now. But we picked up a lot of uh, imagery along the way to shape what is there now. So I'll, I'll leave it at that and and let the wolf chime in. Thanks, Renzo. Uh, we did have a conceptual design that, like you said, we did some crowdsourcing, talked to some temple builders about it. They gave us some really good feedback. And so we went back to the drawing board. And I have a very strong vision of an eight-pointed star that it holds the space in a proper way to allow for the healing that this type of art provides. And so really, we just brought Renzo's canopies in, gave them a central focus, then we explored the mythology that comes with the eight-pointed star, the history of justice, empowerment, um, manifestation. And uh, we also thought, well, you know, this thing's going to burn. 
we, we got to bring fire in here. And so we came across the word Empyrean, looked into it deeply, that it is the realm of where humanity can conven convene with the divine. This is exactly what we're looking for. This is exactly the purpose of a temple, is to allow humanity a place to come to experience some relief from the emotions that you accumulate through your human life, whether they be through experience, trauma, grief, just life in general can be a little bit difficult. And so we carry around this emotional weight that sometimes we're not even aware that we have. And where do you take it? A lot of people have their own concept of what the highest divine is. And we definitely don't want to put a label on what we're offering at Empyrean. We welcome everyone. And it's a space where it's safe. You can open up your heart. You can feel those things that have held you down for a little bit. And there's people there who are supportive and will allow you to have your experience. So coming back to the eight-pointed star, it's a, a Mesopotamian symbol that comes from ancient humanity. And it's this knowledge that they've known about the underlying structure of the universe and how it can help guide us toward a better experience of life. So we brought the flame in. And it represents a guiding light to draw people in from the cacophony of the Burning Man event. It's, it's exceptional. Anything can happen there. But you need a place to go to get centered, to, to come back to yourself. And that, that's our goal to offer an Empyrean. It's a, an outpost of respite for the weary, weary warrior who's out there having this amazing life experience and needs to check in. Awesome. I think that's amazing. Um philosophical background on um, the inspiration for the structure. Um, it, I, um, I'm, I'm really curious about uh, the mechanics of this as well. Um, so when, when you talk about the iterations, are all of these iterations prior to the um, application? Does, you know, is, is the, is the, is the image that I see now when I go and look at this, is that, that was the image that was, that you applied with? And has there been any iteration since um, acceptance? Any of that, you know, is, is that, is it continued to evolve past that point? It has evolved. Um, <clears throat> what, what we presented um, in the application is substantially as you see it today. There really has not been much change. Um, you know, in architectural language, that's called uh, the conceptual design. Mm -hmm. It's the big bang. It's the big, Ta-da! Um, what we're doing now, day and night, um, in addition to administration and fundraising and uh, engineering and logistics and staffing, is design development, and that's another architectural common architectural term. And that what that means is we develop the design. We put the we we develop the big the big bang. So we, we have to make sure that the flags work, that the structure stands up. I, I think what we're spending a lot of time on right now is that, well, I don't think I know, is that um, the patterns on the side of the canopies are all um, geometric um, and other patterns. And there's um, a guiding geometry um, on most half of them, which is an eight pointed geometry and that geometry is projected on the on uh, each side of each canopy. The canopies are the blades of the star. That's the the language is one and the same. Um, and that is taking a lot of uh, kind of technical know-how and creative uh, design to make that work, so we can be built by the hands of both skilled and mo modestly skilled uh, volunteers. So um, the in 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 the the way that I translate that is um, your Big Bang concept is you know this um, idealized concept and now that idealized concept is meeting with reality which you know you know engineering and then it has to you know transform from this beautiful image that is coming straight out of the mind and then transform into an object that can actually exist in reality so you know now you're dealing with the constraints of gravity and wind and things like that um when you were creating the vision 
you're an, you're an architect. So you're bringing a skill set to the vision that already has certain constraints in place. You know, you're, you're obviously, you already obviously have experience. So as you're designing this thing, you're already thinking of certain possibilities that are possible and things that aren't possible in a way that someone who might not have your background doesn't know what's possible and what's not possible. Did, did you have, um, just for example, did you, um, when you, this, the, the vision that you have right now, was that constrained by anything like, oh, I'm, I'm going to max out at a hundred feet or I'm going to, um, I think I can only deal with a volume of, you know, X linear feet of wood or were any of those sorts of things in your mind, any of those um, physical constraints in your mind when you developed the initial big bang vision? Absolutely. Those things are always in my mind. And I, because um, I'm in my extremely late forties and I've been, um, and all I've ever done my whole life is, is uh, architecture and construction and, and art and, and I work in stone and metal. And I, so I understand structures and I understand uh, construction. I've worked a lot on construction sites. So anytime I draw a board of any site, of any roof, any side of a building, anything, I have this base knowledge about how it can be built and, uh, and, the, and the cost. You know, if you've never seen snow, and you step on it, you oh, you sink in. You didn't know you were going to do that. But, of course, if you know snow, you know you're going to sink in. So put some skis on and you can go down the hill. I just made that up. Um, <laughs> so, yes, I, I had – I thought it through a lot. In fact, I, uh, I presented – you know, Sylvia brings her own skill set, and she has some experience, which is very valuable in lots of different things. But um, – but I, I say that I, I did this and, and she was not involved with this. I, I presented to the uh, review board the, uh, in the application um, quite a bit of base, base structural and architectural information so they could understand that we understood how the building could be built and that it was feasible. Um, and all through the process of designing this, I was thinking about how it would be built on site, how it would be prefabricated, um, and and the uh, and and who could help. So I wanted to be sure it wasn't too technical, so lots of people could get their hands on it. And really, it's a um, once you see it out there, I think you realize it's um, it's not a complicated building. It's big, it's dynamic, it's monumental, but structurally, it's not complicated. And that was very intentional. And I think this is also an interesting, oh, uh, Sylvia, what were you saying? Yeah, also, we had to think about how to ship it out there, how to take it apart in pieces that fit on a trailer, and um, then how to put them back together once we get there with, with minimal cuts. So we have minimal moop, and we have um, people can just show up and help us put it together so that they feel involved, too. I think that's that's an important narrative about, um, to me, to me, what what I'm hearing in all of this has to do with um, experience it has to do with experience of building other large scale projects like this, having, you know, putting, put your hands on a temple in the past and recognizing um, the balance between um, offsite prefab that then gets packed into trucks and then minimizing the amount of fabrication that happens on playa. And how do you, how do you manage that and how do you, you know, what's possible and what's not. I mean, I've worked on plenty of projects where we can do large structural elements prefab off playa, but then you have to apply maybe the skin, you know, on playa because you can't transport it that way. And so finding that balance, but that balance only comes from the experience of having done other projects and knowing what the, what the pain is because there's pain from both. Crazy enough to think it's possible. And then, (laughs) Showing up every day, even if it's difficult, and just trusting that the solutions are there. Right. Uh, <laughs> I like to say, leap and the net will appear. Correct. Yes. Um, so, uh, so all of this is, um, you know, you, you have, you know, you have this experience in 
designing and fabricating structures like buildings. Um, you have this experience in working with teams. You know, these are all critical components of the um, of any large scale burn at Burning Man is all, all of those things. Um, the, the, one of the things that I think is super overwhelming with the temple in particular is that it um, kind of hits this high note of uh, budgeting. And <laughs> it's it, all, all of our projects, you know, all, all of our, you know, large, large scale burns or knots, or even a camp, even taking a tent, taking a tent and a bike, all of these, all of these expeditions to Burning Man um, are explorations in uh, budgeting. Um, but I think, I think it's, um, I, I've never been involved in a temple build. So I, I, this is only anecdotal stories I've heard from the outside, but the, the, I have been involved in plenty of large scale builds and I have run the budgets on them. I've dealt with the economics of them. And that seems like the most, I mean, you can put a computer model together that will tell you if a hundred mile an hour winds is going to blow over this structure. That's, and there are millions of people all over the planet that can tell you that like there's, that's, that's, you know, that's pretty straightforward. You can get that information back. How, how this is going to work out financially is a, is a, is an art. It's, it's a, it's a <laughs> really tricky sort of thing. So when we talked about constraints coming into it, um, you were talking about, um, you know, your experience with, you know, structural fabrication and things of that nature and those sorts of constraints. And so you bring that when you do the application, you say, Oh, I've had experience with these things. Uh, how, Let's let's talk about the and we don't have to talk about the actual numbers themselves, but I'd love to talk about the philosophy and the psychology of um, how you approach that portion of this project. I can, Sylvia, I can, you want to tackle that? Yeah. yeah. Um, we had in mind to keep the build simple so that the materials are they're easily uh, easily bought they're they're not super high tech they're not super expensive and uh, to, to keep the construction in a way that's very simple keeps our budget down we've thought about ways to eliminate uh, materials that will leave a trace because those tend to be even more expensive so we're looking at do, do we want to keep focus more on wood do we want to focus more on metal where we have the metal um, but also the, the the temple itself is funded by the community because it is built for the community by the community. So it's a unique piece of art at Burning Man. It is sponsored as an honoraria. We do receive an honoraria grant from the Borg that does provide a substantial amount of the funding. But really, it just provides the basics for us. Every temple build has had to run their own campaigns to get the funding that they needed. And um, we've intentionally kept our budget modest so that we're not running into that crazy panic. Like, how are we going to do this? We want to deliver. We want to make sure that this vessel is fully present, fully happening. So we've, we've done a lot of intentional thinking about how to keep the cost down. And um, as a community build, it's it's pretty amazing how people show up, whether it's to help build or to help donate. There are, there are people who absolutely love the temple. They understand what it does for our community and they just want to give. Awesome. I think, um, I, I, because I think that that's a, that's an element that, um, burners in general might not necessarily have insight into is, um, uh, that's a challenge that isn't, you know, readily obvious um, that I think that the temple uh, faces more than any other project. It, it is, it's the culmination of, um, of all of those, uh, all of those issues. Yes. And we've also researched every temple that has come to Burning Man. We've looked at the structure, we've broken it down, taken it apart in our minds and seen, okay, this is the basis. This is how they made this. This is where they got that. 
we asked a lot of questions of people who built temples in the past. Mm -hmm. How can we keep our costs down? What material were you using? How did you get it? So we were very conscious about this. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, so uh, maybe so we maybe we take it from uh, where are we today, right? So we've we've talked about the genesis of the project. We've talked about the philosophy leading up to um, the application process. You um, you you applied and then found out you got it. I mean, I don't I don't even know how to approach that as a question. I mean, that's a I mean. I, 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 maybe I'll just throw that out there, you know, like with, you, you put, you obviously put together a substantial application, right? This isn't just, you didn't just send in a sketch, you know, you, you, to, to get to this point, you have to transmit all of this um, research and knowledge that you're bringing to the project into the application. So you put in a substantial amount of time to do this application, and then you don't even know how many people you're up against, I don't think. Do you? Is, was there a set number of people who applied? We knew in the past that it's typically a handful, five to maybe 12, I think, might have been their max, their max amount. But this year, we had heard, you know, that everyone's putting in a temple this year. And we found out how many actually applied, and that was a surprising number. Surprisingly high. Yes. Well, 28. I saw, 28. So I saw, I mean, I mean, personally, you know, I saw... So, and I, th I think it's an interesting, it's an interesting mentality, you know, that um, some people released um, images of their application. And so those became visible, you know, online, because once they're out, of course, they spread like wildfire, and people started posting them all over the place. And I thought, I had a certain emotional response to the process of uh, releasing images of proposed temples before the process has been worked through. And so, you know, and, and I don't want to, yeah, yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to comment on that. And, you know, it, you know, pe people do what they do and that's, I admired you know, the designs. They were fantastic. They were beautiful. They were beautiful. They were beautiful. If they were to be built, I would be there to help build them. Exactly. They exactly. They were gorgeous. Um, but so then you, uh, at that point, during the application process, how big is the team? How many, I mean, there's the two of you. And then, like, is, 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 that, is that it? Like, I mean, you're doing your research and you're obviously uh, creating a network of people that you're, you know, in certain ways kind of hooking in just by asking them questions and by talking to them about it. And so there's certain people who are, you know, aware that you're doing this and, you know, in a, very vague sense on board with the project, but like, is, is, is that to, to do this application? Is this a team of two people that, that does this application? We, we did do. Um, Go ahead, Renzo. Um, it was pretty much a team of two people. <clears throat> there is, um, by the way, before I forget, I want to bring up a point about something you addressed earlier about uh, a skill set necessary to, uh, to even consider putting in an application. And uh, I believe there is now the criterion uh, in the application which says that you have to have, the, the applicant must have participated in uh, a temple build in the past or a major construction project on Playa. Uh, prior to really going out on Playa, um, I would have thought that my decades of experience as an architect, that's just my profession, I could pull this off without actually having built on Playa. And and now, and now that I've done it once at the Temple of Direction, I my opinion is don't put an application in unless you've been out on Playa. There's so much to know about that process that is so unusual. It's like building on Mars. It's mm -hmm. you just you can't know it until you've been there. So but we all uh, say so that we all say it's like building on Mars, and you know, for the moon. And, but the, no one can understand what it means. To build on Mars, like that's it's still a useless right. sentence because like nobody knows what that actually means. Yeah, and, and it's a good, you know, it's and there's a reason that that there aren't any buildings on the moon because it's really hard. Really hard. <laughs> um, yeah. And NASA has all the money in the world; they still haven't built a building on the moon because it's and <laughs> really hard. So yeah, it's really hard. Okay, so to answer your question, Scott, um, we. Uh, we did a lot of research 
Um, I we worked on the, I worked on that application and design for a month and a half or two months by myself. I brought in the sky. The sky wolf appeared magically out of the sky, and then we worked on it um, virtually constantly until November twenty third, and it was just the two of us. Right. Um, I have a um, I tapped a professional uh, architectural renderer, so. Um, the 3D model I had that I built, um, I sent to a renderer and we uh, worked with him to create some of the primary images, which turned out wonderfully. But no, there was no other, we were it. Right. We did have to ask certain people because we needed to identify like a leave no trace lead. Um, So that person was definitely invited and asked and they accepted. we had some ideas about who we wanted on the build team to help lead it from our, both of us were leads on Temple of Direction last year. So we got really close, close relationships with the builders and, and knew what they could bring to our team. And we just really loved who we worked with and we wanted to be sure that we reached out to them too. Like, hey, we're putting in this proposal, no, no guarantees. We're just curious if, if we were to win, would you want to be involved? So we did sort of put the word out, but as far as, the design and putting it together, it was just the two of us. And we did it long distance, I'd like to say. <laughs> we were both in two different states and we made this happen, so. That's amazing. So then, um, so you got the application um, and uh, the team of two got you to that point. And so now uh, from winning, from getting the, the honor to, to build this structure, um, to today, um, one assumes that that's a little bit of a, uh, whirlwind. Um, you know, you now, now you're actually starting to put your hand out and tap on some of these people and say, we actually have a project. This isn't theoretical anymore. Um, now I I'm looking for someone to actually do this role and do this role. Um, how, how, how's that going? How, how's the, I mean, what, what, from, from the point that they said yes until today, like what, some highlights, what's going on? It's 24 seven. We had a meeting last night with fundraisers, a zoom meeting um, until nine o'clock mountain time last night. And, um, and then we're, we're back with you. We, um, when we had the announcement from the org, um, we had uh, about a week to prepare for the push. And we had uh, a team of 15 uh, or 20 developing Kickstarter sites, websites, um, Facebook sites, and linking all that stuff together and uh, images and copy um, all ready and prepared for uh, media blitz. And, you know, we had, um, we had uh, Soren and Char and Panda and, and the Skywolf and uh, Sandrine and all these people just running full tilt. Uh, to get that message out on the, I guess that was about the 12th of January and it pretty much hasn't stopped. Mm-hmm. Um, we, once, as soon as we finish the, the media push, um, we're into, uh, budgeting. And as soon as we're done with, as soon as we're done with that for the moment, we're right into, um, in just last week, um, I met with two different engineering firms in, um, California and, um, the, the design development and the and the blueprints are moving constantly, um, and Sylvia's got a whole nother list of things that we work together and a part of that she can tell you about. <laughs> yes, we do have a, a fundraising team set up, and we're fully activated. Weekly, we check in. We have a social media team fully active. Um, we're working on the. We're always working on the designs for the big canopies to, like you said, bring that idea into reality. And I think the unique skill sets that both Renzo and I have really complement each other. And as well as our team knows us, they know who we are and what we bring to the table because they've worked with us before. So it makes everything run very smoothly. And uh, Renzo has an incredible sight, oversight. He can see things that need to happen and he can be very clear and define it for us as a team to make those things happen. And so far it has been 
an incredibly enjoyable experience. And when we come up with, with ideas of what we need to do next, people just call us. It's very strange. One day I'll think, you know, I, I need someone to support on the lantern design and make it happen. And then the next day I get a call from a strong female lead. Hey, I'm thinking about this with design. This is building itself. Mm-hmm. This tempo is building itself. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. That's amazing. Um, cool. Well, this is all really exciting. Hey, what's the, um, if there was a, a, an access point into this network of um, information and fundraising, what would you say is um, the, is it like a website or um, a Facebook page? What would be the primary um, access into this world? Yes. If you don't have Facebook, the best place to start is our website, which is www.empyreantemple.com. Okay, that and that'll that'll be in the the show notes. But just for people who aren't going to look at the show notes, it's e m p y r e a n temple all one word dot com. Correct. Okay, and then on Facebook, because you, you're kind of saying that that might be even a better. Well, Facebook, you get your pictures, you get live action, you get what's happening, you get pictures of runs out San Francisco and. <laughs> You know, you really get the, the up-to-date minute by minute of what we're up to. And so we have Empyrean 2020 mm-hmm. as our main Facebook group. Mm-hmm. And then there is Empyrean Temple Volunteers 2020. I okay. think that's the wording on it. But where you can start, anyone, is on the website. We have a volunteer questionnaire. Great. It's not an application. It's simply a way for us to get your contact information and information about the skills you'd like to share with the temple. And it gets you on a mailing list of our updates as well as a Google conversation group. So our volunteers can network and find a place to live in the Bay Area. We understand that it's very costly. Mm. And we've mm. got to work together to support each other to make it happen so that people who want to build a temple, it's possible. So then um, that, that statement means that your offsite build is in the Bay Area. Yes, we just announced it. Do you want to tell them about that, Renzo? Sure. We, um, I don't know the, the address because I don't know the area that well, but it's, um, it's in Oakland. It's called um, Moxie and uh, a number of uh, big, it's a maker space. Um, it's also a professional space for uh, construction work of various sorts. Um, and a number of, uh, many generations of burners have worked out of there. And, um, so they unfortunately had a bit of a fire last year and knocked out a third of their buildings. Um, well, so good fortune, bad fortune. We're able to use that now open space to build, uh, to stage Empyrean Mm -hmm. and, um, around the 1st of April, sometime around there, the date to be announced uh, we will uh, start building there and we will be calling in. Uh, we'll have an open house sometime around April 1st uh, thereafter for all the volunteers, <coughs> excuse me, who want to come in and help. That's awesome. Um, Moxie is located in Jingletown. It's a neighborhood of Oakland and it's accessible by bus. And uh, the closest BART station is Fruitvale. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> Cool. Well, what did, what did I miss? Is there anything? Um, I mean, I, I think this was all, you know, this is really informational for me. I, I loved hearing all of it. Is, is there anything um, that I didn't ask that you, you felt like you were hoping to tell everybody? I think yeah. it's important to know that everyone's welcome to come help build the temple. Mm-hmm. It is a community project built by the community for the community and that Everyone is welcome to experience it however you'd like. You, you don't have to go inside to get healing from this vessel. If you donate money, you get healing. If you watch it burn from your webcam, you get healing. If you stand at the perimeter and, and hold guard for, the, for the, the, the burn, you get the healing. You come and you wield a hammer, you hammer one panel and you can step at it. You look at it at the burn like, I built that. Mm-hmm. that we want to empower and include everyone. So you're, you're listing off some, um, some, some concepts of how people could participate. Is there, um, are, are there gaps in your team right now that, um, that you're, 
looking to fill that you would want to reach out and say, you know, we could use someone, um, a, a camp chef. I don't know. I'm just trying to think of random, um, you know, elements that are, that don't pop immediately to mind for people who might not be used to this, you know, some of the resources that are required to pull this thing off. Um, is, are there, are there gaps? Like you'd like to reach out and be like, if anybody knows a good, mm. Uh, we have uh, we we drew strongly from past temples, and we really uh, went through our application. We uh, identified probably fifty different people that we would be using in our team, um, and particularly different leads. And you you said, for example, Camp Chef. We have a a brilliant woman, Cat, who is leading the administration and um, budget of our. Uh, of our on-site kitchen, um, but we always need more help. And this uh, Empyrean has been designed and it's conceptually, it's conceived with the idea of lots of people putting their hands on the project. So away from the kitchen for a moment, back to uh, Moxie, there will be um, great opportunity for people to actually build things that take some creativity. This isn't just banging together a bunch of two by fours but there's opportunity for people to be artistic on small projects in a community quilt-like arrangement. So they can make their little piece that goes on to, without getting into a bunch of details, that they can make a, a, an element of um, Empyrean that can be artistic and creative and unique that will be plugged into the, the great uh, mosaic of Empyrean. And um, so, do we need specific people? They're showing up. We're not really in a deficit anywhere. However, we do need, um, when the, when the call goes out, we do need serious, um, committed builders to show up, um, at Moxie. And, and by the way, you don't have to be great. We need committed people with some, um, with a strong back and can swing a hammer, but, um, you don't, you don't have to have a skill set. You have to you have to be serious. You have to take it serious. You have to be um, consistent, and that's what we need. Uh, you know, there was a woman last year um, who just showed up on um, the Temple of Direction in April or May. Well, actually, there was a couple of them. One of them being uh, Sylvia, but there was another woman that showed up, and, and I don't need to mention her name. And she just she just took charge, and she had never been on a construction site before, and um, when it came time to go out on Playa, she was a main lead, administrative lead um, to build the Temple of Direction. No, she just showed up. She she plugged in and um, she applied her skills, which was um, software engineer. <laughs> and all of a sudden, she was a uh, significant director of the administration, the overall administration of the Temple of Direction last year. So there's great opportunity for everybody. Um, if they show up and they take it seriously. I think that's a, um, that's an experience that, um, that I've had as well with uh, large scale builds is um, that the, the piece itself becomes a classroom and um, people show up maybe without certain skills, but they're around other people who do have those skills and to watch people grow and acquire these new skills and, how empowering that is. Um, the, the, the one tool that I, that always gets me is the angle grinder. And because it's such um, an intimidating, loud, all the sparks, it's just such a violent tool to someone who doesn't, who's never handled it. And then, you know, you give, you give someone some training in it, you teach them how to use it. And all of a sudden they light up because now they they've got this control over this thing that was so intimidating just two hours earlier. And now they come back every day and they're like, what else needs to be angle grinded? What, what, what else can I grind? Can I, Oh, I'll take, let me take the corners off of that. I see a little sharp thing there. Let me take the sharp thing off of there. And they, you know, they blossom into this, you know, into having this confidence into learning these skills and that gets replicated across, you know, because you're, you're also doing something that's unique. So since it's never been done before, every day is a is an exploration in 
discovery. So, you know, you're learning every day. Every person on the team is learning every day. And so it's, it, it's, you know, it has that end goal when it's built that it has this ability to create this sacred space and, you know, you know, all of those things that we're aware of, but during the build process, it, it has this life as well that it creates new people during the build, which I think, you know, it's, it's amazing. So the opportunity for someone to go and volunteer, as you said, not necessarily having a complete skill set and not being intimidated by having a complete skill set and just showing up with an attitude that they want to participate, that that's, that's really the most important criteria for the volunteer. Yeah, it's that's the, what I found so inspiring last year when I was on Playa. I went out on Playa and and I saw these people working and, you know, maybe this statement will backfire a little bit, but I looked around and thought, these people have no business building this giant structure. They have no idea what they're doing, yeah, but it didn't matter because they didn't, they didn't need to because they had so much inspiration and so much drive. Uh, and so much want to create that they just did it, and that was um, that was the that was that was so much of the inspiration that makes me keep going on this year's temple is is seeing all those people from all walks of life. There were there were kitchen cooks, professional cooks, and pizza delivery people, and, and software engineers, and and. Uh, people that had no background in construction and they just kept going every day and they learned something new and they built a giant structure and they were so proud. And, and I was proud to, to be with them. It was just a lot of fun. It was very inspiring. Yeah. It's, it's the essence of Burning Man. It's build your own adventure. It's step into something that's unknown and it takes a lot of strength to be vulnerable enough to step into something that you don't know you don't know mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. you become a student. So you allow yourself to have these experiences and absorb, but then there comes that moment where you see like, Oh, I do have this skill. I, I can apply this here. I'm going to take the lead on this one. And the burning man structure allows you to have that voice, to have that strength and to be able to step into that position. Mm -hmm. Well, there was a point where none of us knew how to build on playa. You know, the three of us sitting here, there, there, we were all, there was yeah. a moment where none of us had, knew how to do it. You know, yeah. we've all grown. Yeah, I brought my first interactive piece out there and just, just trying to get it by myself out to the deep playa where I wanted to be was such a struggle with the wind. It kept knocking it over. And I remember just like, what is this burning my, why are you hurting my art? You know, I was just like so upset. And then I was, doing this. I understood. Okay. All right. We've got to build this a certain way because this is a different place. Right. Yeah. I love it. Well, it's been uh, great talking to you guys. And um, I would look forward to um, maybe checking in again at some other point in the process and seeing how you're doing and, you know, you know, make, making this kind of chapters about uh, your, your, your progress and your discovery. And um, yeah, I'm super excited. Um, we'll, uh, one yeah. final thing before yeah. we go, we have yeah. nine days left on our Kickstarter campaign. It yes. has a lot of momentum. It's got a lot of energy. We're really excited about it. And uh, you can please donate. And so, and we'll we'll look for that going through the website. I'll also I'll put the link to the website to the Facebook page, and then we'll put a direct link to the uh, Kickstarter in the uh, show notes. So look there and um, thank you. Yeah, let's. There are lots of ways for us to support um, this project and. Something I used to say um, in my early years of going when people would say, wow, you spend a lot of time working on Burning Man. Like, you spend a lot of time working <laughs> on Burning Man. Job, yes. Well, and I, I would say that if you had some sort of like stock tip that somebody said, if you put $10 into this stock, I guarantee you're going to get $1,000 back out of it then you'd mortgage your whole house and put everything in because you know you're going to get an automatic. And Burning Man for me is for every drop of energy, love, attention, um, every drop I put in, that finds a way to come back a thousandfold. So yeah, I'm, I put all in, 
And it might seem crazy that I put that much in, but I always, and I don't know how, I don't know how that's going to come back. I can't look at it and say, oh, it's going to come back in these ways. I just know that when I put in that it will come back a thousand fold for every single drop I put in. And I think that's, you know, when someone has done it once, they can start understanding how that works. You know, those first few times of like putting that energy in, you have no, you can't even justify why I'm putting this time and attention in. It's crazy. It has no meaning. Mm-hmm. But um, I think that's, you know, that's, I, I understand uh, your devotion. What were you thinking, Renzo? Well, I'm, I'm that, that stock tip uh, for me is, um, the relationships you built and it's it's amazing you know we have this enormous lift to get this project going and and i'm working on it full-time to the exclusion of no other projects and and will for the rest of the year and but i call somebody up and i need something and they and they're like they just drop what they're doing and say yes and they do it competently and completely because they're just they're so into it um just like well, we're all just weird about that. Um, <laughs> so I, I think that's the um, the stock tip, right? Is relationships it, it does come back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Great. Okay. Well, um, I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, how it moves forward, and obviously, super excited to be standing in it uh, later this year. Um, thanks, Scott. Thanks again. Okay. And thanks for thanks for tuning in everybody. And there you have it. Thanks for listening. Thanks to Bill Zunkin for his cover of Burning for You by Blue Oyster Cult. You can find him on Instagram at B I L L underscore Z S U N K A N. For more information on this episode and the podcast in general including links to websites and Instagrams of our guests and your host, you can head over to buildtoburn.com. Build to Burn is a part of the Burner Podcast Network. Be sure to check out Burner Podcast for a wider view of Burning Man and dig down into other Burner Podcast Network shows for facets of the community. Thanks to Arash for all the work he does. Thanks to Raz for his expertise. And as always, thank you for having the fire that brings light into this world.